Well, I feel like this week something in me shifted. The shift was I realized that this isn't just a quick blurb, our quarantine life, that this is something we're going to have to get used to and adjust. And for some reason in my mind, I adjusted. It was a little, un- it's, it, and it's funny how it's like a teeter-totter. Sometimes we're happy and things are great, and other times we start thinking about the economy, the long-term effects of the economy, and how are we ever going to get through this. And also we have some health concerns. You go to the grocery store now, you see people with masks, you see things empty in the, in the, the, the aisles, and it makes you a little worried. And in fact, uh, for us, it hit a little bit close to home because our neighbor across the way, we found out him and his whole family got the coronavirus. Apparently, they're, they're recovered and they're doing better now. But it felt like, wow, this is getting really close to home, especially about a week and a half ago, I had a conversation. I mean, we had our social distance guidelines, but I wouldn't have had, I wouldn't have had that conversation if I would have known he had coronavirus at the time. But then there's been a lot of great things. And mainly, it's the time we're spending with our family. All three kids, all, all my three kids are here. My wife has a very abbreviated schedule, so she hears, she's here most of the time. And we have a neat schedule. We get up in the morning, we have breakfast together, um, we, we do work, and then we have like a, a set jacuzzi time together. I think that was the best investment we ever did here at our house. And then we have a delicious dinner for my wife uh, every night. And then in the evening, we do our family movie night. And we all get to pick a movie uh, each night. So the movie, one of the movies I picked uh, this last week, I wanted a comedy, so I picked that old school movie called Airplane. Um, and it was funny to watch it again. It's like a slap, uh, slapstick comedy, I think they call it. And it was just fun. It was fun to, uh, to, to, to get it and get a little bit lighthearted. It was super silly, super goofy. But anyway, there was one scene in that movie that, that kind of hit home. It was the scene when the stewardess got on the the intercom addressing the passengers and she said, hey, is there anybody here who knows how to fly a plane? And as she was saying that, there was a scene where one of the other stewardesses was dragging the pilot down unconscious down the center of the aisle because he, he ate the wrong, he ate fish or chicken or something and it, it made him sick. And then at that moment, um, all the passengers went berserk, things were going crazy and everything seemed to be out of control because nobody was flying the plane. And it kind of hit home. Isn't that how that crisis feels? Like everything is out of control. The things that we thought were so stable and so secure, even the fact that we can't go to church right now, who would have ever thought we would live to see that day? Well, sometimes it feels like all the things that we used to hold on to are just slipping through our fingers, kind of like olive oil. Um, and many of us are wondering where God is in all that. I know I've wondered that from time to time. And sometimes I, I kind of can relate to the disciples. Remember that scene when they were in the boat, there was a storm. Jesus was asleep in the boat, and the disciples, experienced fishermen, were looking at the storm, thinking they're going to die. And they woke Jesus up and they said, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. <laughs> Am I the only one who feels like this during this crisis? I, I bet you there's a lot of you out there who think the same thing. Well, as I was preparing to speak today about Palm Sunday, I realized that the story of Palm Sunday speaks directly to that, and it's a great demonstration that Jesus is in control. He was in control back then, and he is in control today. In fact, I found three lessons that really demonstrate that. So I want to turn to Luke chapter 19, the Gospel of Luke, 
chapter 19, starting in verse 28. And I want to read the, the story of Palm Sunday and see it how it applies to us today, April 5th, 2020. But before they do that, let me say a quick prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would take these words of mine, what you've put on my heart, what you've written in your word, and transcribe that to your living word to those who are listening to me right now. Lord, replace fear with faith, replace hopelessness with hope, and just replace anxiety with peace and love. Lord, we ask that you would come right now and be with us, open our hearts, touch us, and teach us. And we know that you're faithful to do that. We ask all this in your name. Amen. Well, I wanted to give a quick Palm Sunday overview. So Palm Sunday is about, is called the um, triumphal entry, and it's when Jesus comes into Jerusalem on a donkey. Um, the account is given in all four Gospels, and um, I want to give quick three illustrations uh, before I get into the story of the significance of what Palm Sunday means because of what Jesus did that time. The first significant of Palm Sunday was that Jesus was setting his crucifixion in motion. It's important to realize that the triumphal entry is the first time that Jesus allowed himself to be considered the king. Before that, anytime he did a miracle, he would say, don't tell anybody, but go do something else. And people would want to, to make him king by force, and he always withdrew. This was the first time that he, he voluntarily uh, decided to let his kingship and his kingdom come that he was the king of. Because before he said, my time hasn't come, but now he realized his time had come. And by doing that, he was bringing the wrath of not only the Romans, but also the Jewish leaders, because they knew that when, when he did that, that would be a mark in the sand, and they would uh, ask for his death, which they did. But this was um, prophesied, this was a fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. In Zechariah 9.9, uh, the prophet Zechariah prophesied that the Messiah, uh, let, let me read it. He said, uh, Greatly rejoice, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foil of a, of a donkey. And so Jesus came as prophesied as king to Jerusalem that day, which was sort of the beginning of the end for him in his life. And as a side note, this was the last normal Sunday that the disciples would experience. You know what? Being with Jesus was never really normal. You never knew it would happen. But they got used to, over the last three years, of seeing the miracles, of being with Jesus, just assuming that this kind of life, what they got used to, this wonderful life, would go on forever. But this was all about to change. And it's interesting how quickly it changed. Within a week, everything was upside down. The world that they had known was completely gone. Does that sound familiar? It's kind of what happened to us. Within a matter of days, our whole world, not just our, not just Orange County or our country, our whole world has changed and it feels like it's upside down. Um, and oftentimes I think to myself, will life ever go back to the way it was before all this virus and stuff? We hope so, but sometimes it feels like it never will. Um, and you know what? I'm a creature of habit and I loved my routine. 
because everything was good. But now things are topsy-turvy, and, and sometimes we resist change. But just like, I think this story is, is important to us, and it gives us hope, because the disciples, they probably were going to resist that change too. But yet, in the end, they realized it was God's plan. It was a difficult plan. They had some difficult days ahead. But in the end, they realized it was God's way. It was God's plan. And I think one day we're going to look back and we're going to realize this was God's plan. This was God's way. And we're going to see the results from it, even though we have no clue what it's about right now. So the first lesson I want to extrapolate from the the Palm Sunday story is when things change, you can still trust God because his plan is perfect. Let me repeat that. When things change, you can still trust God because his plan is perfect. So the second observation of Palm Sunday is that Jesus was being selected as the Passover lamb according to the Old Testament law. Jesus said he came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And one fascinating detail about this has to do with the Passover And the Bible commentary, Matthew Henry, he pointed out, he said that the Passover was on the 14th day of the month, and this, the triumphal entry, or Palm Sunday, was on the 10th. And the 10th day of the month was significant concerning Passover, which we read in Exodus 12, 3, verses 5 and 6. And this is how it reads, Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So as Jesus was riding in and the people were crying, Hosanna in the highest, unbeknownst to them, they were selecting the lamb for sacrifice, the one and only sacrifice that can take away the sin and cause and bring life to humanity. So the last and the third observation before we get into the story is that Jesus was marching to his death and he knew it. Jesus was not merely riding into the city, but riding towards his death on the cross. And he knew by the end of the week, he would be spit upon, he would be beaten and crucified, but he still got on that donkey and entered Jerusalem. Why? Well, the simple answer is because he loves us. He loves you. And I wonder, in his divine nature, if he was able to look ahead in time, today, April 5th, 2020, and see you there, and know because he loved you so much that he was willing to get on that donkey, ride to his death to Jerusalem. And that's what he did, because he loves us. It's the great, wonderful love of God that's unlike anything this world can offer. And all we can do is say thank you. Well, let's, let's look uh, in verse 19, Luke 19, and actually start reading the story of Palm Sunday. Starting in verse 28, it said, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going to, up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany, At the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, 
Its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. So one of the distinctions about Jesus's life or ministry on earth is he was always in control. You think of, there's plenty of examples in the scripture. I remember when the, when the disciples thought they were going to die, they came to Jesus and Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves and it became calm. How many times did Jesus take control of a demoniac person and give freedom to them? How many times did Jesus heal somebody? He was always in control. One of my favorite was when Peter was asking, should we pay the temple tax or not? Jesus was in so, so much control, he told Peter, he says, go fishing. The first fish you, you pull out, open its mouth, and the money will be there. I mean, Jesus was always in control. He knew exactly what was needed and where to find it. All the disciples needed to do was to believe Jesus and obey him. It's simple. And I think that's another lesson for us today, is during these scary times, all we really have to do is be close to Jesus, listen to him, and obey his voice. It's simple. Um, and there's so many promises in the Bible that tell us that he is in control if we turn to him. I'm going to read a couple right now. Uh, the first one says, when we're tired and worn out, what is, what is the promise of God? Well, Jesus gave it in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Another one is when you feel burdened or overwhelmed, in Psalms 55, 22, it tells us to cast our cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. And then when you don't know how you're going to make it financially, and I know it's probably crossed a lot of people's minds these days. I know it's crossed mine. In Matthew 6, 33, what does Jesus tell us to do? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things or provisions will be given to you as well. That's his promise. And the last one I want to read is when you need direction or help, you don't know which way to go, you don't know what to do. Jesus says simply in Matthew 7, 7, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. That's a promise as well. Um, so the second lesson I want to pull out from the Palm Sunday story is just like the disciples on Palm Sunday, get close to Jesus to hear him, trust him, and obey him, and he will fulfill his word. Why? Because Jesus is always in control. He was in control back then, and he's in control right now. So let's continue the story in verse 35. So they brought it, or the donkey, to Jesus. They threw their coats on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So when Jesus came riding uh, in on the donkey, this, this fulfilled the prophecy in Zechariah 9.9 that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem riding a donkey or a colt. Now the symbolism of the donkey is significant because a king riding a horse symbolizes a king who's coming for battle or for war. But when a king rides on a donkey, that symbolizes that the king comes in peace. In other words, Jesus is coming as the king of peace or the prince of peace. Um, 
in Isaiah 9, 6, another prophecy about Jesus or the Messiah was one of his names would be called the Prince of Peace. And here on Palm Sunday, this was what Jesus did. He came in as a king, but a king of peace. And when you give your life to Christ, that's what you experience is peace. It says not the type of peace that the world gives, but a peace in your heart that's beyond description. Actually, the Apostle Paul called it in Philippians 4, 7. He said, the peace you get when you know Christ is the peace that transcends all understanding. And that this peace will guard your heart and keep your mind in Christ Jesus. And actually, another good demonstration in scriptures is the scene when Paul and Silas were in prison. This was found in Acts 16. They had been arrested, they had been beaten and scourged, and they were in prison, um, and it was midnight. Instead of being asleep or moaning about their wounds, the scene shows them singing hymns and praying to God. And the whole prison was listening to them to do that. How can those guys being beaten, being in a Roman prison back in that day, be singing hymns? Well, the only explanation is they experienced Jesus and they experienced that peace in their heart. And they met, they had that peace because they met the Prince of Peace, which is Jesus. And I'd say peace right now is probably more rare than toilet paper or hand sanitizer, if we're honest with each other. Um, and we all need peace. And at the end of the day, isn't that what every single human being on earth is looking for? Is peace of mind, peace in their heart. And the only way to get that is from Jesus. And Jesus, when he came on that donkey so many thousands of years ago, he symbolized that he comes in peace and he will give peace to those who ask. So the third lesson we can learn from the Palm Sunday story is that Jesus is the Prince of Peace and peace is available to us today in Jesus. So let's finish up the story. We'll finish off in verse 39. Uh, the story. And it says, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, and now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. He's prophesying what's going to happen to Jerusalem in their future. He says they will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another. Because, and the reason is, is he says, because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you, which is him coming to Jerusalem that day. So Jesus wept because, because he saw what was coming to Jerusalem, what was coming to the people who refused to believe in him. And what, what ended up happening to Jerusalem? In, 16, in 66 AD, um, the Jewish population rebelled against the Roman Empire, and the Roman legion under Titus retook and destroyed much of Jerusalem and the second temple. And that, there was actually an eyewitness account that I found, an ancient eyewitness account, and let me read the, what it was like during those times. This is what he said. While the temple was ablaze, the attackers plundered it, and countless people who were caught by them were slaughtered. There was no pity for age, and no regard was according to rank. Children and old men, laymen and priests alike were butchered. Every class was pursued and crushed, 
in the grip of war, whether they cried out for mercy or resistance. And I wonder if Jesus looked into the future, he could see those scenes. And I'm sure the divine part of him could, and that's why he wept. And he didn't only weep because of the destruction, but he also wept because they missed him. And he had come on a mission to save his people, to save the world. And he was doing everything possible, and still they missed him. They were missing God's plan for them, and they were going to reject the amazing love of God and, and his sacrifice on the cross. Um, and then today, in the middle of our crisis, Jesus is also coming. And some will see him, and some, and believe, and others will not see Jesus, and they're going to miss him too. Um, with that, they'll never fully experience love or enter into the God's plan that somehow will come out of all this mess. And for those people, I believe today, Jesus is still weeping. And we as believers, we should weep as well. So to summarize, Palm Sunday applies to us today as we are hunkering down in our homes waiting for this plague to pass because it's all about our loving Savior making a choice to pronounce him king, knowing that it would cost him his very own life. But through this, there's three lessons that we could apply today. The first lesson is when things change, you can still trust God because his plan is perfect. The second lesson is just like the disciples on Palm Sunday, get close to Jesus to hear him, trust him, obey him, and he will fulfill his word because Jesus is always in control. And the third lesson is Jesus is the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> and that peace is available today in Jesus. Now, perhaps this entire coronavirus situation is a wake-up call to tell us that Jesus is coming back soon. He's coming again, as the Bible promised. That in our efforts to find peace, we have built so many false idols that we thought would bring us lasting peace. Idols such as sports, entertainment, our jobs, um, our health system, our health itself, and leisure time, and just a simple pleasure of getting together with friends and family and gatherings. All that has been taken away. And it seems like it was in an instant. And maybe Jesus is coming to us again and reaching out his hand that we would surrender once again to his plan into his will and surrender our life to him. Now, if you're a believer, you could be like the disciples and assist Jesus coming to our city. Will you reach out to those around you who are in need, who are hurting? Will you pray for them? Will you tell them about Jesus, the good news? Will you get so close to Jesus, you could hear his voice and obey it and do what he tells you? Perhaps God is calling you to do that again during this difficult time. Or perhaps... You never really knew Jesus as Lord and Savior. You know, you went to church maybe a little bit. You, you know theoretically about Jesus, but you've never had what the Bible calls a born-again experience where you die to yourself and you say, I surrender, Jesus. I give you everything. You confess your sins. You ask Jesus to come into your life, and he does, and he gives you a new life, and he gives you the peace that we all long for. You know, being born again in Jesus is kind of like getting married. What you do is you say, Jesus, I surrender my identity. I surrender my independence. I surrender everything to you and I commit to you for the rest of my life 
and I'll give you everything right now. And what, you, what, what do you do at a wedding? All you simply do is you acknowledge Jesus and you say, I do. And maybe Jesus is calling you today to simply lay down all your life, lay down everything you thought was secure, and the only thing left is Jesus, and he's standing there and he's saying, come to me. And all you have to say is, yes, Jesus, I do. I come to you, I give you my life. Um, so my challenge to you, wherever you're at, is to focus on Jesus, and like they did so, like they did back on Palm Sunday, they threw everything in, in front of him, they gave up everything of themselves, their cloaks, everything, and they worshiped him and welcomed him into the city. So can we pray? Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for what this day symbolizes. Lord, it symbolizes that you are in control. Lord, you are the answer, and you don't come as a condemning God. You come as a loving God, a God who wants to give us salvation, a God who wants to give us peace. And Lord, we want to turn our eyes from everything that distracts us and turn our eyes back on you and say, I will follow you, Jesus, no matter what. And I give you my heart. I give you my life. And Lord, we want to just thank you for being with us today. And Lord, as we get to worship you one more time with Taylor, I just ask that you would accept our worship and let it be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.